This is the Vandy Sports Podcast on the 440 Sports Network, and I'm your host, Billy Derrick. This week's Vanderbilt football pregame show is brought to you by The Wash House, the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, Sutherland and Belk, and Maynard Nexon Government Contracts Group. Topics on today's show, as well as this season's baseball content, are presented by the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, a family-owned third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located out in Murfreesboro. A partnership began over 50 years ago with Purity Dairy in Nashville to provide purity milk and ice cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee, and now they serve southern Kentucky, northern Alabama, Chattanooga, and north Georgia. Today, they supply grocery stores, convenience stores, and others with Purity products, as well as Mayfield, Nestle, and haagen ice cream. For more information, visit their website at mpmci.com. Again, that's mpmci.com, and tell them Vandy Sports sent you. On today's show, what to watch for with Joey Dwyer. We keep the, the weekly tradition rolling. We'll talk about the keys to victory for Vanderbilt and, and, and what Joey is watching, things like the running back position for Vanderbilt. The boundaries at corner, A.J. Swan's performance. We'll get into all that with Joey Dwyer here in about 15 minutes or so. And then Norman Jordan, color analyst of the Vanderbilt Football Radio Network, will join me to preview the matchup. You can hear him with Andrew Allegretta and Kevin Ingram on Saturday for the early, early kickoff out in Winston-Salem. He also played at Vanderbilt under Fred Pancoast and George McIntyre. So looking forward to... uh, Letting you guys hear from Norman Jordan, getting his thoughts on the matchup. And to close it out, Connor O'Neill, the publisher of Deacons Illustrated, Wake Forest Rivals site right here, just like us at Vanderbilt. He'll give me his thoughts on Wake Forest after their first game of the season against Elon and what we can expect from Mitch Griffiths after Sam Hartman did all he did at Wake Forest, broke all those records. We'll see. Uh, we'll we'll see what he thinks about this matchup and and uh, and maybe how Vanderbilt could expose Wake Forest defense. So, stay tuned for that. But first, let's get to today's news. It's brought to you by the Wash House, which is also our presenting sponsor for basketball season. Are you dreading laundry day? Is it stealing time to do the things that you truly enjoy? Well, if you say yes to those, let the laundry professionals at the Wash House take care of that for you. With two convenient locations in the greater Nashville area, just drop off your dirty laundry and their professional attendants can give you back the one thing you can never have enough of, your time. Within 24 hours, you can pick up your nicely folded, fresh and clean laundry ready to be put away. Log on to washhouseclean.com. Again, that's washhouseclean.com or stop in today and get your time back. Vanderbilt versus Wake Forest, Saturday, 10 a.m. Central Time kickoff on the ACC Network. This is the 18th meeting all-time against the Demon Deacons. Vanderbilt has won three of the last four meetings, with two of those wins coming in Winston-Salem in the James Franklin era, 2011 and 2012. So back-to-back wins over Wake Forest. Of course, Wake Forest did not quite have Dave Clawson yet, but now... This mat this matchup is 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 tougher. You know, facing Wake Forest, of course, under Dave Clawson is always tough. So obviously looking forward to seeing what happens Saturday. But in terms of the forecast, thunderstorms are likely. Check the weather channel. I'm not lying to you. That the high is 78, so it'll be a little bit cooler than the last couple of weeks, but 70% chance of rain, at least right now. And I'm recording this Thursday morning. So Again, maybe things maybe things change. I asked Connor O'Neill about it. Uh, he he was kind of in the same boat as I am. So hopefully the rain holds off, but maybe that helps Vanderbilt. Who knows? Lastly, here injury report. Clark Lee said that Leighton Nelson and Junior Uzibu are questionable. So we'll have to see if one or both of those guys go. If not, Grayson Morgan will have to play right tackle. So obviously we're we're looking at that. Linus Zunk and Martel Height are both back and at 100%, though. Zunk on the D-line, Height at corner. So looking forward to seeing those two guys. Darren Agu is a full go. And how much of an impact he has, that's another thing I'm keeping an eye on, right? I mean, do, do they let him loose? You know, do, do they rotate him more often than we think? We'll see. But Darren Agu is 100%, and that's good news for Vandy fans. Meanwhile, Patrick Smith is a full go as well. We saw him banged up in, during the Alabama AM game. And apparently he dislocated his shoulder, but 
they popped it back on the sideline and he was good to go. So <laughs> Patrick Smith, uh, confirmed uh, football guy. So uh, Vanderbilt will will be excited to have Smith go. And lastly here, the most important injury report to get to is Dericky Wright. Clark said he's questionable, uh, but he will meet with the media later today. So we'll, we'll see if that changes. Again, recording this Thursday morning, a lot of this could change depending on what Clark says today. But he went down with an ankle sprain. We'll have to see if Dericky Wright goes. All right. Before we get to our guests, let's get to today's mailbag. It's brought to you by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt or in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. Again, that's 615-846-6200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. All right, we've got, looks like a couple of mailbag questions last minute. I like to try to do these just to get any last-minute questions answered from you guys. We'll start. With Denver Door, he asks, who needs to have a better performance on Saturday in order to win, the offensive line or the secondary? It's a good question, but I'll have to go with the secondary. Uh, I just think with with Wake Forest and, and what they try to do, they put so much pressure on the cornerbacks. And Norman Jordan actually talked about this. He said, it's it's hard. It's just It's hard as a corner in today's day and age of college football because – you know, a lot of these plays will last, you know, four, five, six seconds, you know, maybe even longer than that sometimes with the quarterbacks getting out and scrambling. And so, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's hard. So Martel Height, BJ Anderson, Tyson Russell, and Trudell Berry, those four guys have the toughest jobs on Saturday tr- trying to defend against this, this slow mesh offense led by Mitch Griffiths, who plays behind a solid offensive line. You know, they've got a good running back in Justice Ellison. Uh, Donovan Green, of course, was injured uh, a couple months ago early in fall camp. So he's gone. He's not gone, but he's done, uh, I think, for most of the season uh, for Wake. But they've got a slot guy, experienced slot guy in Taylor Morin. Uh, they've got weapons still. Keyshawn Williams, I think, uh, is is one of the guys they like to go to. So, And they've got some young guys they like as well. So it, it's... I, I, I got to say, I got to go with the, the, the secondary there. Secondary has to be better, uh, but the pass rush as well. Pass rush has to be better as well to affect that that mesh and, and force Griffiths to get at, get to get the ball out of his hands earlier than normal. So not saying the offensive line doesn't have to improve because they certainly do. The offensive line has to hold up their end of the bargain as well, but I'll go with the secondary. Guys like Height and Anderson, a lot of pressure on them on Saturday for that morning kick. All right, lastly here, we only got two questions this week. Sent them out a little little too late, but wanted to make sure I answered any questions. Foghorn asks, how do we match up against Wake Forest on a talent basis by position group? I would assume that Wake Forest has recruited better over the last four to five years, but I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting observation you make. I don't know that Wake Forest has recruited better in the last four to five years in terms of ratings. Uh, because Wake Forest does something very similar to Vanderbilt. They, they, you know, they, they're not going to get five stars. You know, they're not going to get a lot of four stars really either. Uh, but they're going to get, they're going to get guys that fit their system and their schemes, and they're going to develop them. So I don't even know if I'd say, I mean, gun to my head, yeah, they, they've probably recruited a little bit better over the last four to five years in Vanderbilt. But it's not, you know, it's not by a landslide. I mean, they, they this is these are two programs that are very similar in stylistic approach uh, to developing a a dominant you know or eventually dominant football program in Vanderbilt's eyes with Clark Lee uh, in terms of how Vanderbilt matches up against Wake Forest in terms of talent Wake Forest is more talented I mean they, they and they've got more experienced talent right Vanderbilt is younger um, but it's not a wide margin right I think guys like Will Shepard you know AJ Swan at quarterback Jade McGowan Quincy Skinner and then defensively C.J. Taylor, Dericky Wright. I mean, Dericky Wright. I'm I'm seeing him on some draft boards. C.J. Taylor is going to be an NFL player. Same with Will Shepard. Of course, we know A.J. Swan's got a shot to be an NFL player as well. You know, I think there's some young guys that have have really nice potential for Vanderbilt. So Vanderbilt matches up well enough to win this game, but the margins are still very small in this game. That. Don't take that answer and say, oh, then Vanderbilt should win this game. 
right? There's a reason Wake Forest is still a 10-point favorite. Um, Vanderbilt has narrowed the gap, you know, against a lot of those SEC teams in terms of talent. I think that means they've narrowed the gap against a team like Wake Forest as well. But Wake Forest has more experienced talent and depth. They 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 picked up Walker Merrill, a former four-star who transferred from Tennessee. So receivers, it's similar to a Josh Heupel scheme. Receivers love to play in this slow mesh offense because they get open. I mean, you know, the system gets them open. So again, it's not far off. Wake is more talented, but Vanderbilt's right there. I mean, I I I, I just think Vanderbilt's younger and they don't have quite as much experience depth yet as uh, as Wake Forest. But that'll come into play right at some point Saturday. Vanderbilt's talent holding up uh, against Wake Forest. All right, that does it for the mailbag. Again, big thanks to our sponsor, Sutherland Belk, family-owned injury law firm, for uh, bringing us the mailbag, and thank you for your questions. Let's get to the guest line. And that guest line is brought to you by John Leffen, the Maynard Nexon Government Contracts Group. These guys are best in the business. Maynard Nexon advises government contractors on all aspects of their businesses with a proud focus on matching legal solutions to business needs. Give them a call. Six, not 615, <laughs> 256-551-0171, 256-551-0171. All right, it's time for What to Watch For with Joey Dwyer. Joey, Vanderbilt and Wake Forest, our, our first trip together. We're headed up to Winston-Salem uh, on Friday, so we'll. Uh, I'm sure we won't have much sleep, but we will be there, and uh, and we're both excited, so... Early kickoff, 10 a.m. Central Time. Get your coffee, whatever you do in the morning. Get your eggs ready and uh, get ready to roll because Vanderbilt and Wake Forest will be scoring some points early on uh, on a Saturday morning. Joey, real quick here, where where do things stand with you right now? Right, two games in. From what you've seen, how confident are you in Vanderbilt's ability to go up there and 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 compete and maybe win a game? I think Vanderbilt's left a little bit to be desired through two games. I think you'd like to see them go out and dominate teams like Hawaii and Alabama a and I think the line play has left some things to be desired. The running game, the cornerbacks, the defensive line, all places where Vanderbilt can improve. But also I think there's a lot of hope as you head into Winston-Salem. And there's a lot of hope that this could be the game where a switch kind of flips for this team. It kind of flipped in the second half of Alabama a and a team that was a little tired, a team that was a little undermanned compared to Vanderbilt. But – feels like maybe that could be the switch flip and maybe Saturday could be a similar scenario. Maybe Vanderbilt finds some momentum and really takes hold of this one. It takes hold of the season. It feels like this may be one of the biggest wins of Clarkley's tenure if Vanderbilt can get it. I think the two SEC wins last year were maybe a little bit bigger. Maybe a win early in his tenure was a little bit bigger, but this ranks above a lot of the wins that Clarkley has had, and it feels like this is one of more the more important games of his tenure just in terms of determining where this program goes. I had a piece earlier this week that talked about proving it, and I think Vanderbilt has an opportunity to do that this week. It has an opportunity to prove that this program is on the track that we think it's on. It has a chance to prove that it can play with some of these big teams, and it's better than it has been in the past. So big weekend for Vanderbilt. I don't know that I'm super confident that it goes in Winston-Salem and wins. This is a big stage, and Vanderbilt, we haven't seen on a big stage this year. It's a bigger stage than you would think. It's the first game of the week. It's against an ACC yeah. team. So this is a big game for Vanderbilt. I don't know how they're going to react. I think there is something to be said for kind of an adjustment in stage, though. Vanderbilt hasn't played at a big stage. Obviously, Week 0 is a stage, but playing against those two teams and playing in an ACC game and in an ACC stadium is a lot different. And I think it's hard to know just how a team responds to that until you see them do it. And I think that's kind of goes for Wake Forest as well. I think it happens for every team once they play their first Power 5 opponent. Teams look a lot different versus competition like Elon and then versus Alabama and m and Hawaii as opposed to what they look like against a team like Vandy or Wake Forest. So it'll be interesting to see how both teams respond. I don't know that I'm ready to make a prediction with some conviction until I kind of see – how both teams respond to the environment, but Vanderbilt certainly has a chance. I think it's a team that's beatable, a team that has uh, some question marks as well, and we'll get into those, but it feels like Vanderbilt has a chance. It's got to play its A game, though. Can Vanderbilt rise to the occasion? 
That's uh, that's what Joey uh, titled in his first thing to watch, and I think you laid it out perfectly there, Joey. I mean, th- this is a big stage, right? Wake Forest is 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 one of the premier programs in the ACC. Dave Clawson has done a phenomenal job up there, and and offensive coordinator Warren Ruggiero uh, with that slow mesh offense that I'm, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. But 10 a.m. kick that means right everybody's watching college game day. But you might get some live look-ins, for, you know, later in that hour in college game day to this game, right? And you might get a lot of points early on on a Saturday. I'm, I don't know if there's a might. You will, right? And and we're gonna get into that, Joey. Before we get into the the weaknesses at corner on on the boundaries for both teams, right? We we know that Darren Agu is back, right? We saw. Uh, I don't. You were not at this fall camp, but Chris and I were both at the fall camp that he got hurt. And Vanderbilt fans were all up in arms. I mean, they they were, you know, season's over. This is, you know, this is awful. But he ended up, you know, being okay. And they held him out last week, as you talked about. Uh, what kind of impact do you see him making? Because Joey, if I and I, I, I told this, um, I told this to. Norman Jordan, Vanderbilt's color analyst uh, on the Vanderbilt Radio Network. I said if he can get in a couple of sacks on Mitch Griffiths, that would be monstrous. And uh, I, th- I think you'd agree on that. Yeah, I just wonder how much of a role Darren Agu has in his first game. I think he's their best pass rusher. Obviously, I haven't seen as much of you guys in terms of what he did during fall camp. Only mm-hmm. had one sack last year, and I think four tackles for loss. But feels like Darren Agu has a real leap in him this year. It'll be interesting to kind of see his stats without Alabama AM and Hawaii factored in. It's just pure Power 5 and UNLV stats once the season's up. So we'll really get an idea as to what Darren Agu is. But I feel like he's their best pass rusher. And if he's fully healthy and if he's not on a short snap count, I think he can make a real impact in this game. I'm interested to see kind of how the entire defensive line meshes together with Darren Agu. I think if he can really get some pressure off the right or left side, that could really open up things for a Nate Clifton or somebody else on the inside. So Vanderbilt has a chance to really turn its uh, pass rush into a positive this week. Do I think Darren Agu is the savior or someone who is going to completely transform this defense just by stepping on the field? No, he's not Cleo Mack, but he's a guy who can come in and make some plays and has some real talent. So Darren Agu, certainly a, a uh, welcome entry into the lineup for Vanderbilt this week. Also, to Ricky Wright, certainly something to watch. I think that may be the most important player on Vanderbilt's defense against an explosive offense like Wake Forest. So Vanderbilt has to have him. It seems like he's progressing positively, but Carley hasn't guaranteed yet that he will see the field. So to Ricky Wright is now the guy who the attention turns to in terms of the injury watch. I'll be at Vanderbilt in an hour or so, and I'm sure if I'm not asking about it, somebody else will be asking about it. So to Ricky Wright's status, now the thing to watch, but Vanderbilt's pass rush seems to be in a much better spot with Darren Agu than it was last week or the week before. So Darren Agu is back. Nothing to worry about there for Vanderbilt fans. Dericky Wright, though, he, he's a guy I'm watching, Joey. And, and you know, you didn't necessarily single out Dericky Wright in, in your piece. And I, I think that was good on you because, you know, we don't we might get an official update today. We're recording this Thursday morning on, on Dericky and whether or not he'll be able to go. But say – Say Clark says he's still questionable. How, I mean, do, does your concern change, right? If, if Clark goes, Dericky's going to go for us against Wake Forest. Like, like, does it shift either way? Or is it still, this offense is, is so dynamic and, and uh, you know, so, so high-powering that it doesn't matter who's on the field? I would say the concern level goes down a little bit if he's on the field. But really, I kind of just want to – it's kind of like Martel Height last week. You kind of want to see when he gets in the game and get more of a feel for it then. Clark Lee is not a guy who does a whole lot of gamesmanship. He's going to kind of tell you what's happening. But you don't really know until he's on the field how healthy he is and how many snaps he's going to play, how many snaps he's capable of playing. So Dericky Wright's entry into the lineup would be huge for Vanderbilt. If he's not out there, I think you're in some real trouble. But obviously if he's on the field – uh Certainly some good things there, and Ricky Wright mm-hmm. is a difference maker for this defense. There's not a whole lot of difference makers that we've seen so far. Nate Clifton's made some plays. C.J. Taylor's obviously been the difference maker. But Ricky Wright is probably the second or third biggest playmaker on this defense thus far. Vanderbilt not having him for 
probably its biggest game of the season to this point is certainly something to watch and certainly something that you would not like to see. I tend to think he'll play. I think you said that as well, but Vanderbilt certainly has to watch that status and its back end on the defense will not be in great shape if that's not if that's not the case. Explosive plays is what Vanderbilt has to avoid, Joey, and, and Clark talks about capping the shots, right? You've got to be able to cap these shots against Wake Forest, and I ask you, can Vanderbilt limit explosive plays? That's what you asked in your thing to watch. Everyone's watching for that, right? Well, what, what are Vanderbilt's corners going to look like? Does Martel Height start like he did against Alabama A&M? He had a few more snaps, I think, than Tyson Russell. So you could see Martel Height and B.J. Anderson and then Trudeau Berry, um, you know, getting some time in there as well. Russell will play. So, Joey, can Vanderbilt limit the explosive play? I mean, it, it, like, is hope lost, or do you think Vanderbilt can do some things to – to maybe maybe negate some of those big plays. That's the million dollar question this week, Billy. As for Marcel Hyde, I think we'll see more of an expanded role on Saturday as to what we've seen previously. I think he outsnapped Russell forty one to eighteen on Saturday, which is a bigger gap than I thought. Maybe some of that is the opponent, maybe some of that's the score. Feels significant though. Trudeau Barry was on the field a little bit as well. So I think you could see maybe the four man rotation coming back a little bit rather than just the three-man rotation, but it's probably going to be mostly Anderson and Height. Like I said, a lot of it's probably safety play with Ricky Wright, determining whether this can be slowed down. But Vanderbilt, even with him on the field, has struggled giving up big plays, even against Alabama A&M, who its defense was largely dominant against. Still a 62-yard passing touchdown. Hawaii, a few passing touchdowns that went for some big yardage. So Vanderbilt certainly um, has to get some stops and has to limit the big plays, like we've said all week. That's probably the biggest key for this defense. If it can limit those explosive plays, I think Vanderbilt could be at a good spot. Wake Forest ran for 98 yards against Elon. I think it was only two or three yards a carry as well. I think there was 35 carries for 98 yards. So Vanderbilt could really do some damage to this offense if it can limit the big plays. But that's what this offense is going to live and die off of. I think it'll be really interesting to see the run games between both teams. Wake Forest has a real real question mark there, and obviously Vanderbilt does as well. We'll talk about that more, I'm sure, but really something to watch if Vanderbilt can limit those explosive plays, whether it can make Wake Forest one-dimensional in terms of just making it only a passing team. And I think that's the goal is limit explosive plays and make Wake Forest one-dimensional. If it can get the run and pass game going, but not explosive plays, it's different. But if you can limit the run game and limit the explosive plays, then you're in real good shape. And I don't know if uh, Wake Forest can really recover from that. Yeah, I, I think Joey Vanderbilt has to get pressure on Griffiths. I mean, that, that's that's every team's goal against against the opposing quarterback. But and I'm not necessarily saying Vanderbilt has to get in there and sack him five or six times, but they have to get in there and disrupt him and make him uncomfortable. You know, because if Mitch, if Mitch Griffiths is comfortable back there, this this could get I don't want to say ugly, but but Wake Forest will have their way, right? So if you're Vanderbilt, you're going to have to get creative with blitz packages, maybe sending a safety or a corner blitz every now and then. You saw Jeffrey Hugo get in there against Alabama A and M late in the game with a with a safety blitz. So to to maybe negate some of those explosive plays, you've got to get some push. You've got to make Griffiths uncomfortable and maybe force him into some throws he doesn't want to make. All right, let's get to the running game, Joey. And, and that's another – it's funny. The running game connects to explosive plays as well because the more you're on the field, right, picking up first downs, moving the chains on the ground, you know, the the more your defense gets, gets to rest, right, and, and they don't have to be on the field and just, you know, just out there dying against that Wake Forest defense or offense. So the run game, and you ask the question, can either team get the run game going? And that's a huge key in this, Joey. The, whichever team can get the run game established is is a massive key in this one. So where do you see that one shaping up, and where, what are you excited to watch within that run game? I think in terms of excitement, I'll answer that first. And Cedric Alexander, I'm excited to see what that role becomes for him. And I'm not convinced it's as big as it's going to be for some other people. But I think Cedric Alexander is going to be a guy who plays, and he's going to get an opportunity. Do I think he's going to be the bell cow guy on Saturday? No, but I do think he'll have an opportunity. 
Vanderbilt has to get the run game going in some way, though. Vanderbilt's probably going to have to end up in a shootout at some point in this game, and it can't all be on A.J. Swan's arm. A.J. Swan has not proven to be A.J. Cutler type thus far, a guy who can put the offense on his back and go score 30 points without a run game. At least that's not a <laughs> that's not a consistent uh, mm-hmm. consistent thing that you can do to win. Vanderbilt has to give him some help with the run game, and I think AJ Swan can be much better if he's able to have some of that pressure taken off by Patrick Smith or Chase Gillespie or Cedric Alexander. Those three guys play a huge role in this game, and so does the offensive line. I think it was a little bit better on Saturday. The focus grades were not terrible in terms of the offensive line, especially with some of the younger guys, but feels like. This will be a whole new test for them and uh, something that could determine the outcome of this game is which team can get the run game going. It's two quarterbacks who largely inexperienced um, in a game that will be high scoring. Both teams trying to keep pace with one another. Vanderbilt's run game will be crucial to its success on the offensive side. All right, Joey, last thing to watch, A.J. Swan. The, the most important player in the field for Vanderbilt uh, against Wake Forest and in pretty much every game, right? Let's face it, he struggled last week uh, with consistency. He made some really good plays and some really good throws. And, and of course, he saw the two touchdowns to Will Shepard, uh, but the interception in the end zone was was, was a costly mistake. And, uh, of course, we've talked about some of the, the RPO, right, the lack of an understanding of, of making the right read. So he has to be better, right? He's got to be more consistent. How much pressure is on A.J. Swan in this game? I mean – I've heard people say he's got to be great. He's got to be, you know, the 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 Aaron Rodgers or the Tom Brady for Vanderbilt. Would you agree with that, Joey? Does does he have to be great? Billy, it really comes down to what we just talked about is the run game. That determines how much margin for error A.J. Swan has and how much help he gets. If Vanderbilt runs mm-hmm. for 100, 150 yards, A.J. Swan might not have to be that Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady on Saturday. But if Vanderbilt can only run for 39 yards like it did against Hawaii, A.J. Swan has to be the guy. A.J. Swan has to throw for 350, 400 yards and has to be excellent in his decision-making. I think the biggest thing, if Vanderbilt can get the run game going for A.J. Swan, is just his decision-making. I think he could be more of a distributor, game manager type, assuming Vanderbilt can run for a decent amount and have a decent average to just help him out. But he's a young quarterback. He needs that run game to help him out no matter how talented he is. And I think Vanderbilt... Vanderbilt's offensive success will largely be determined on that and also be determined on whether Swan can hold on to the ball. I think that was an issue on Saturday. You hear about the one interception, but also it's probably three or four throws into dense areas. I got made fun of for saying it was a dense area on Twitter, but (laughs) I think that's the best way to describe it. I don't know that it was necessarily triple coverage, but there's a lot of Alabama and him defenders. Tight window. Tight window. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of defenders (laughs) in the area, but, uh, A.J. Swan will have to avoid those type of throws and will have to be more picky in terms of the reads he makes. So it would be really interesting to see uh, if Vanderbilt can keep pace with Wake Forest. I think a lot of that starts with the running game. It also starts with Swan making sound decisions and being composed when the blitz comes and just finding his playmakers. And I think that's the biggest thing. Vanderbilt has playmakers on the perimeter. Jaden McGowan comes to mind. Obviously, Will Shepard's made a lot of plays throughout the year. Maybe Vanderbilt features Junior Sherrimore after – the 35-yard reception, maybe the 20-yard run on uh, Saturday. So Junior Sherrill could be a guy who comes in and maybe makes a play or two here or there. Vanderbilt has to get its guys in space. And I think it has the playmakers to help Swan and maybe not make him a guy who has to sit in there and deal with the blitz every play. Maybe you can get a dump off to McGowan here or there. Maybe you can get Shepard on the perimeter to make a play. Or maybe, maybe just maybe, one of its running backs can make a play in space to help him out. So I think – how good Swan is and has to be depends on how much help he can get from his playmakers on the outside and how much he can get from the run game. So be a really interesting outing for A.J. Swan and it's Vanderbilt's offensive line to see kind of how they deal with their first big test in terms of a power five opponent. So Vanderbilt has a chance here. Margin Ferrer is a lot smaller than it has been in a few weeks or in the last few weeks. So every interception matters. Every drive is valuable and Vanderbilt has to realize that and execute that way on Saturday and one last thing I'll, I'll throw in on top of that Joey I, I think AJ Swan's legs I'm not saying he's he's Johnny Manziel out there but I think his legs might come in use on Saturday with, with the RPO 
whether Wake Forest knows it's coming or not, they might get, you know, they might fall asleep on his ability to to run the ball a little bit. When we saw it against Alabama A and M. Maybe, just maybe, AJ Swan's legs play a role in this one. Joey, 10 a.m. kickoff, Vanderbilt, Wake Forest, in Winston Salem. You can watch it on the ACC network. You get if you guys haven't checked out Joey's piece. Uh, on the site yet five things to watch Vanderbilt and Wake Forest go check it out we just ran through a lot of them of course um, so go check that out if you haven't Joey we're headed up there we're, we're leaving we're leaving Friday hopefully they won't kick us out of there this is our first road trip so uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get out of there unscathed right I think we're we might be the biggest grinders in sports media <laughs> Billy driving we're leaving Friday night we'll get there in the middle of the night on Saturday morning, we'll probably come to the game and do that pregame show. And I don't know if we'll even make any sense, but uh, we'll put one <laughs> of those out. Hopefully, uh, if they don't, if they don't kick us out for uh, maybe unbuttoning the shirts a little too much. But we'll see if uh, we'll see if we rise to the occasion, Billy. We got a big performance we got to put out on Saturday, just like AJ Swan. And I wanted to mention that as well. I think Vanderbilt thinks that AJ Swan is a guy who can play well on these big stages and kind of rises to the occasion as well. I talked to Clark Lee about that in the past. He seems to think AJ Swan can really step up his game for these type of games and is composing these type of games. But just wanted to mention that it'd be a fun weekend for us, regardless of what other Vanderbilt wins or loses. But obviously for the Vanderbilt fans, you'd hope that uh, this team would rise to the occasion and get one of the biggest wins of Clark Lee's tenure. Well, I think Joey Dwyer is a writer that that steps up in the big big stage as well. So <laughs> looking forward to it. Joey, thanks for taking the time. Thank you, sir. Now happy to be joined by Norman Jordan, color analyst for the Vanderbilt Radio Network. You can hear him on Saturdays with Andrew Allegretta and Kevin Ingram on 102.5 The Game here in Nashville. He also played on West End, played running back at Vandy under Fred Pancoast and George McIntyre. So uh, he's uh, He's been in the black and gold, and now he's talk, talking about and watching the black and gold. Norman, uh, thanks thanks for taking the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely, Billy. Thanks for having me on. I want to start with what you've seen so far through two games. Of course, Vanderbilt got started in week zero against Hawaii at home, and then they returned home for a matchup against an FCS team, Alabama A&M. Obviously some concerns, but did you feel like in that second half against Alabama A&M, they were, they were starting to – develop somewhat of an identity and uh you know that was nice timing uh, it felt like uh, heading into the weight game so just through two games uh sort of your overall thoughts well obviously with the hawaii game it was kind of disappointing with the running game and you know you listen to coach lee and, and he basically said you know we had some misreads and we were running when we should have been passing and all that so that that really messes up the running game uh but i i thought they're hanging in there and getting a win against Hawaii. It's a much improved Hawaii team. Anybody thought it was going to be a 63 to 10 game again was, you know, just wrong. I mean, they're, they're much improved. So, you know, we're complaining about getting out with a win. Well, that's a pretty good place to be. That, that shows progress with the program. Uh, yeah. Last week against uh, Alabama A&M, it was all, almost like watching a mirror image of, of uh, some of the games in the past where, Vanderbilt goes up against a, a much more talented uh, team and, and just wears down. And in the third quarter and fourth quarter, the other team would have their way. And that's that's kind of what happened. Uh, they just wore Alabama A&M down. Uh, talking about that, that game, though, I thought the play that uh, A.J. made uh, when he dodged about, well, really mm-hmm. broke about four tackles and threw for the first down was was what really changed the whole game right there. They went from kind of being on their heels to being on attack mode, and I thought that was just the the play of the game. You mentioned AJ, and you know so far, uh, you know I, he's he's been good, right? Alabama and him, there were there were some struggles. Of course, he had the interception, um, but you know w- without him in that Hawaii game, Vanderbilt, you know they don't win that game. Also, a couple of big plays from Dariki Wright. But through a couple of games here, how would you evaluate A.J. Swan? You know, what has he done well? But also, what does he have to do better in order for Vanderbilt to go beat Wake Forest? Well, I, I think A.J.'s gotten better than he was last year. He he knows what he doesn't didn't know last year. You know, a lot of times as a freshman, you just rely on that talent that you had as a high school senior, junior, sophomore, and all that. 
and now he's starting to under the, understand the game and, and the phrase I like to use so much that I got from Kevin Stallings years ago is uh, that the game's starting to slow down for him. And I, I think he's starting to understand and know what he's got to do before the ball snapped. And if you've got that, then you, you're really starting to cook with gas then. You, you really need to know by the time that ball hits your hand, you need to have a good idea of where the ball's going to go. Uh, what else? Uh, you know, it, it's really tough. AJ's a good leader, but it's tough to, to step in the huddle with a bunch of upperclassmen and be a sophomore and be the leader. So that, that's a lot to ask. And I think he'll only get stronger and stronger uh, as the season goes on. Chris and, and Luke and I talked about this on our podcast earlier this week you know, about the reads, you know, the, the, the read options that, that AJ has had to do. Obviously, they're not running at every play, but it just felt like those have been off a little bit, whether, you know, it's the timing or the rhythm of, of the handoff or a, a mi- whether it's a misread or not. You know, it just feels like those haven't been 100% perfect. And Chris proposed that, you know, they, they might go away from that a little bit, right? Do you, do you think that's something they might do against Wake Forest? Um, and, and why do you think that some of those reads just haven't been as crisp? I know it's early still, right, through two weeks, so you know, they got to get a lot of the chemistry down. But what have you seen from, from some of those, uh, those reads? I, I think the RPO will continue. I think it's, it's just part of what college football is right now because mm-hmm. of the rule changes and zone blocking and, and being able to go three yards downfield and still make, you know, throw the ball or run the ball. Um, I, I think the offensive line will gel more. I, you know, it's, it's very tough. It's when you've got five offensive linemen, it doesn't matter how many snaps they've got, it's how many snaps do they have together because it, it's more like a dance than it is a just, you know, pick your man out and go block him. It's, it's very intricate. And so that's one of those things that I think they will get better as the season goes on. I think the, the linemen will understand uh, each other better. It's, it's more about knowing the guy next to you than it is about, you know, knowing I can beat the guy that's head up on me on defense. So I think they'll get better at that. And certainly uh, you see the talent level at running back. I mean, there's mm-hmm. some real speed there. They've got speed on the outside and they got speed in the backfield. And, you know, when you've got that, you can really hurt the other team. It, you can have five gains of two yards, but if you get on that sixth try, you get 40 yards, then that changes the way the defensive coordinator's thinking. Yeah, you mentioned that, the speed, right? The speed has dramatically improved from last season. Right out of that, right out of the gate, early second half, first offensive possession, they got the ball to their best playmaker in space, Jade McGowan, mm-hmm. and, and he was able to go to work and get Vanderbilt back in a rhythm in early in that second half against Alabama A&M. We know what Will Shepard can do. But Cedric Alexander, Norman, I, pr- I proposed this uh, earlier this week in the podcast. Did that change anything for, for the coaching staff? Now, they may not say it in public, but deep down, do you think they go, ooh, that, that kid can go? Well, if I saw it in the spring game, I'm sure they saw it long before that. Because right, yeah. He's got this, that shiftiness. He, he can make people miss him in traffic. And he's got good speed, so if, if he makes people miss him and gets by the linebackers, he can really hurt you. But the big thing is being able to get inside and get what would have been two yards and turned into five yards because you slipped some tackles. I really like the way he plays. I think he's going to be a great addition. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, it's hard to play a freshman, even mm-hmm. if he came in for spring ball simply because the blitzes at the college level are just so complex. And so if, if the linebacker comes, he's got to know, well, I've got the corner if he comes. And, you know, it, it just gets really complex. And you see, instead of four or five looks, you, you, you'll see a dozen looks on blitzes. So it's hard for a freshman to, to get those. And, and you don't want your quarterback hurt. You mentioned a freshman, Cedric Alexander. Who are some other younger guys? We saw the Brian Longwell block punt in special teams. Defensively, Martel Height has been active. Who are some other guys that you that you have seen through two games that you've been impressed with that you think can also make an impact and will continue to to receive playing time? I think there'll be a bunch of them. Uh, you know, London Humphreys. I, I think his speed is really good, and he, he's 
He knows what he's doing out there. So he gets that separation uh, toward the end of a throw that not a lot of people can get. There are a lot of good fast receivers that they have this year. So, you know, I think like that, Newberry uh, in the backfield, certainly mm-hmm. quick as a hiccup. So there, there's lots of lots of talent. It's just you got to get it all blended together. You know, no two teams. You could bring back your your same starting 22, and it's a, it's a new team anyway because – it's another year older. This guy got better. This guy didn't get better. It's it's always finding that chemistry. And this week will be a good week to find that chemistry because they're playing a, a very good Wake Forest team. And that starts offensively for Wake Forest with Mitch Griffiths. Obviously, we saw Sam Hartman last year. He's on to Notre Dame. And Wake Forest offense is still rolling. They put up 37 last week against Elon. Of course, that's an FCS team. So the, the competition gets better this week with Vanderbilt, but at the corner position, Norman, obviously they've struggled, right? There's, there's no way around that. How do they negate some of those deep shots from Wake Forest? Because that's what Wake Forest is going to do, right? You can, you can bet your bottom dollar. They're going to, they're going to test Vanderbilt on the boundary. What does Vanderbilt do to negate that? Well, part of what you can do is keep two safeties deep and have somebody coming over the top. So and that'll work, but that also takes away from your blitz game. That that takes away a lot of things that you can do in trying to get to the quarterback. So you got to make a decision: Do I want to get to the quarterback, or do I want to cover everybody? And you know, I, they, I think they'll have some players back this week that can help them get to the quarterback without the blitz. So we'll find out about that. But you know, it, it's just a tough situation uh, if you're out there on the corner and you don't have any help over the top. I think you got to just assume they're playing they're going to get, try to hit you deep and just turn and run quickly so yeah. you know, it's, it, it has been a weakness but um you know these guys are young and they're they're getting better so Dericky Wright is a guy that I'm watching you know to see how how much does he play Clark said he's he's questionable after the ankle sprain uh, against Alabama A&M uh, you got to think that's a guy that that they need out there especially for this game do you know anything about him and his status? Uh, but also, how important is he? I mean, we saw—I think we saw how important he was against you know against Hawaii with those two interceptions. Um, but but if he's out, how much tougher does that does that make this game? Well, you—it's hard to replace experience. And and one thing uh, I noticed last year is early in the year we were calling Dericky's name a lot. That well, he wasn't there when the the past got mm-hmm. there and all that. But as the season went on, we weren't calling Dericky's name any. He was covering right. his people. So, again, the game slowed down for him. Uh, as to whether he plays or not, I, I've heard absolutely zero. I do know that uh, I was watching him try to get back in the game last week against Alabama A&M, and he would, you know, take a couple of steps back and try to plant on that bad ankle. And, uh, you know, you can look at it and watch him and tell that, he was in pain, but a week makes a, a lot of difference in time. Um, the problem in my mind, having gone through that, is something like that tends to stay with you for weeks and weeks. Uh, mm. You don't get the time off to, to really let it heal. And most ankle sprains, I feel like, are completely healed by spring ball. You know, So it's mm-hmm. something you're probably going to have to deal with, tape it up very tightly. It, it restricts a little bit of the movement, may hurt speed, may not hurt speed, but it's it's also learning to trust that ankle, learning to trust that knee. Whatever it is that, that's bothering you, you've got to feel like I can trust it and plant and do the right thing and not worry about it getting hurt. Well, another injury that, that was suffered in fall camp, Darren Agu, a sophomore edge guy that, uh, you know, is back. He's back. He's full go against Wake Forest. Now, how impactful will he be? We'll see. You got to believe that uh, Vanderbilt would love to use him on the edge. And boy, if he can get a couple of sacks on Griffiths, that would really change the complexion complexion of the game. For Darren Agu, how much of an impact do you think he could have, Norman? I mean, he's he's a full go. It felt like they saved him for <laughs> for this matchup. So. Um, I would imagine you're excited to see him out there. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. And, and you know, I've been excited about him since I saw him play last year against Hawaii and run down a running back when he didn't have the angle. It's like this this is a big guy that can really, really run. 
and yeah, I'd say it's fair to say that they held him out against A and M, and thought we'd we'd rather have him for Wake. And I I think he is a difference maker. He he just get a a little uh, more experience, learn to shed that blocker and get after the quarterback. And uh, and I'm I'm assuming I haven't had the chance to study Wake Forest yet. I'll try to do some before the game, obviously, but uh, they do that slow read. They they certainly yep. did it with Sam Hartman uh, to perfection. And and what that that lets them do is it gives the quarterback a little more time to look at what's developing in the secondary. It did the safeties come up, and if you have that little extra time, then that lets the quarterback be close to one hundred percent sure I'm making the right read. So I think that's uh, just a, a wrinkle that Dave Clawson's added. Uh, to wake that's really made them a better football team all right real quick one more before i let you go here norman keys to victory for vanderbilt what what are the things they have to do to to go out there winston-salem and get a win i I think they're going to have to establish the run game early i think they're going to have to make uh wake forest shut down their run game and that opens things up for aj defensively it's get after the quarterback it's it's you know execute but when they do pull that ball and drop back you don't necessarily have to get to the quarterback but you got to pressure the quarterback have him feel where you're there have him feel like he can't take his full step forward and rush him a little bit and that changes the whole game we'll see vanderbilt and wake forest 10 a.m central time kickoff in nashville 11 a.m eastern norman thanks for taking the time all right thank you billy Connor O'Neill, publisher of Deacons Illustrated, joining me now to uh, close us out here on the Vandy Sports pregame show. Connor, Vandy and Wake again this year. I'm not sure if you were able to make the trip last year to Nashville, but of course the Demon Deacons got the win over Vanderbilt. I think it was 45-25 uh, in, in the Music City, but now Vanderbilt travels up to Winston-Salem. Looking forward to this matchup. I'll start here with you. Do, are, what's the latest on the weather? I saw some thunderstorms might be likely in the area in Winston-Salem. What uh, Do you have any insight there? Yeah, I was kind of hoping the early kickoff would dodge the, um, you know, typically it's it's like we're living in Florida this time of year. Every afternoon there's the threat. Um, I don't know for sure. Uh, I typically, I, I honestly don't look at the weather until we're like 24 hours out from kick. Uh, just one of those superstitious things of no reason to panic five days ahead of time. But uh, yeah, I mean, last year it rained a bunch. I wasn't able to get to Nashville last year, but uh, I watched from home and that, that game rained a ton, didn't it? Yep, it sure did. And, yeah, uh, we, we might get it this year too, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully all the all the rain and, and storms stay away. But Connor, let's get into this matchup. And I, I want to start, you know, with, with, with the Demon Deacons this year. They're coming off a win over Elon where, you know, it's, it's hard to take much of, of those FCS games. Of course, Vanderbilt had one last week against uh, Alabama A&M. So both teams coming off wins that were pretty convincing. What did you learn, if anything, last week from Mitch Griffiths and this new-look Demon Deacon offense? Yeah, I, I don't know that we learned all that much. Um, the, the one kind of main takeaway was more of a concern than anything learned. Um Wake spent a ton of time in August telling us how much more improved their run game had to be. Uh, last year, their rushing game was the least efficient it'd been since 2015, which is the last year that Wake wasn't in a bowl game. Uh, they just last year, I think Dave Clawson recited the stat to us a half dozen times that last year they had nine rushes of 20 yards or more. Um, they just they're looking to create more explosives when they don't have to throw the ball 40 yards down the field or get the ball out into space and make some make three tackles miss that kind of thing. Um, they did not run the ball well against Elon. Uh, they, I think it was 98 yards on 30 or 35 carries something in that ballpark. Uh, Mitch Griffiths took three sacks. So of course sack yardage comes off of your rushing yardage, which is one of my pet peeves about the way college football stats are kept. Yeah. But um, they, they really did not run the ball and, it was actually it, it was a lot worse than it looked like in the final stats because Wake got a drive there at the end of the game, um, took over with about six or seven minutes left and ran the ball four times in a row, 41 yards for a touchdown. And that was when they went to a different set. Uh, they went away from their base personnel, which is 11 personnel. 
they put two tight ends in the backfield, put an extra offensive lineman on the field. And it was just basically, we're going to line up in power and we're going to run the ball. And so that's the encouraging part is when, when Elon knew they were running the ball, Elon Wake still ran the ball well and kind of ran it down their throats and the game. Other than that, you saw, you saw none of that. You saw maybe an eight or nine yarder here and there, but it was really just, uh, kind of beating your head against the wall in the in the RPO spread option offense. Yeah, I mean that that was the, that was something we talked about last year going into the 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 game between Vandy and Wake Forest all week. It was about the slow mesh and will Sam Hartman play because you know, a lot of people in Nashville and in the SEC hadn't you know, Wake Forest isn't a team that typically plays an SEC team. Now Vanderbilt and Wake have played over the years, but you know, it's a unique style of offense and Mitch Griffiths is the guy running it this year. And I've tried to tell people that it's, you know, different quarterback, but same system. And this is still a tough system to defend. From what you saw in Elon, do you see any differences between the way Hartman runs it and the way Griffiths runs it? I don't know necessarily if you can take this away from the Elon game, but but I do know you can take away from the practices I've watched. I mean, I've been watching Mitch take every practice rep basically um, with the twos behind Sam. And then with the ones now for the last year, uh, he runs better than Sam. Like he's a better runner. He's more instinctual. Uh, he's more willing to run. That's nothing against Sam Hartman. Obviously he's a great quarterback to throw 110 touchdown passes for wake and the ACC record holder there. But Sam was going to throw the ball uh, until he had to. Mitch is a little more willing to tuck it, break pocket, um, keep plays alive. Like he's still looking to make a throw. He loves to improvise and throw from different arm slots to to get the ball out of there quickly if a receiver comes open. But what I've what I've kind of said about Mitch, and we haven't had a chance much to see it play out in his two both of his career starts are against FCS teams. Uh, he's going to be more like John Wolford, who was Wake's quarterback at the beginning of Dave Clawson's tenure. Um, yep. He's going to be kind of more of a com- compact runner. Uh, he's got the build of like, you know, around 5'10", 6 foot, um, a little stockier than Sam. Like Sam had to really bulk up to get to a playing weight where he could take some hits. Uh, Mitch was a little more ready-made for that. And, you know, part of that is Mitch – got to sit for three years. Like Mitch got to develop in, in the weight room, in the program for three years. Sam got thrown in there freshman year at 180 pounds and was getting eaten alive by Clemson first rounders and uh, BC, Zach Allen, that kind of thing. Notre Dame that year too came in. So Mitch is a little better prepared and Mitch is a little better suited to handle, you know, taking a hit or two in the run game. Um, he's He's going to be, more John Wolford than than he's ever going to be Sam Hartman. Let's go to the receiver room. Uh, last year, A.T. Perry dominated against Vanderbilt. <laughs> uh, Donovan Green, I think, got hurt. Correct? Yeah, okay, he's so- out. He's out for at least most of the season. Like it was a freak first day of fall camp practice injury, and a week later they told us three to five months. So if it's on the early side, he's back at the end of the year. But at that point, I, I don't know what'll what'll be left on the table. Yeah, so that's where I want to go, right? Because last year it felt like Wake, you know, they could go really to they could pick and choose, right? And 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 you know Taylor Morin, of course, is back, and and he had uh, you know a few catches last year against Vanderbilt. But do you think they they will be as as dominant of a receiver room? Like, is the system that strong to where? You can just plug and play receivers. Yeah, it might be bad news for your listeners here, but it kind of is. Um, that's that's one of the positions on this roster where uh, they, they, you know, it, it's it's not a it's not a Georgia, it's not an Alabama where they reload. They, you know, the the whole rebuild versus reload. It's not like Wake's receivers room necessarily reloads with five stars in the portal or five stars or the portal but they've always got a next guy or a next two guys that are coming. Like last year, that was Jamal Banks. And Jamal Banks started one game last year. He had nine touchdown catches. Um, He had six catches for 108 yards and a touchdown against Elon. Had two, you know, 
quote unquote 50 50 balls. And Mitch Griffiths was joking with us after the game that he doesn't call them 50 50 balls when they're thrown to Jamal. He calls them 90 10 mall balls. Um, <laughs> he's just that physical, like he's that gifted of a receiver. Um, they've got versatility with Taylor Morin. They can move him outside because that's where he played a lot two years ago, or they can put him in the slot, which is where he started every game last year. And that versatility is there because they have another fourth-year guy, Keyshawn Williams, who is dangerous as as hell uh, in the slot. He's quick and elusive and shifty. Um, they've got a four-star Wesley Grimes who's in his second year who's really come on strong. He started against Elon. Uh, they've got a, a former four-star who was at Tennessee the last two years, I believe, Walker Merrill. Yep. Uh, he's a Tennessee guy. Um, they – they like him. Uh, he's he's had some consistency issues, but I think he ended fall camp kind of on the rise, and they wanted to get him in there more against Elon. The this is where uh, every college coach in the country echoes where they they complain about fewer snaps. Wake didn't get a chance to get as many guys in as they wanted because they only ran sixty six offensive plays. Mm-hmm. They averaged seventy six last year, but um, that receiver room it it stays strong. Um, the other one, I mean the tight end position has kind of become a a forgotten position with wakes, how good their receivers have been in recent years. But Cam height, the the guy who the only touchdown he scored last year, he only had two catches last year, but one of them was a middle screen that he took in for a touchdown against Vanderbilt. Yep. He had a great first game. Uh, He had caught a couple passes in the first like quarter. I think, I think one on each drive that got a first down and then, at the end of the half caught a catch and run 69 yard touchdown down the seam where it was like, Whoa, that's a, that's a tight end. Who's moving pretty quick there. Uh, I know it's, I know it's against an FCS guy. So you automatically think, Oh, they're just slow guys, but <laughs> those guys run pretty well too. And to be a, you know, six, three, 230, 240 pound tight end running out running uh, DBs and stuff. I mean, that was, that was a pretty impressive play. So he's, He's another one that can kind of complement the wide receiver room. All right, defensively, you know, Dave Clawson talks a lot about balance, and defensively, I think they get underrated. I was really impressed last year, you know, when they came in and played Vanderbilt uh, with some guys that were just flying around, had a couple of good safeties. They were bigger up front than I thought. So defensively, Connor, that's something that the Demon Deacons take pride in. See, this is this is kind of the problem. Like Van, you saw them early last year, and you saw them when they were at their healthiest point, pretty much. Um, they lost the the guy who I think he had a pick six. If it wasn't a pick six, it was like down within the five. Kobe Davis. That was the last that, game. Of his, that, that was, was the last the, game of his career. The early pick six, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That was yeah. That that was he. Un, he had some non-contact thing later in the game that. That was like the third season-ending injuries had in his career at Wake, and it, mm. it ended it all. Um, they never—he was their best nickel last year, and they never recovered from losing him uh, in a way. They lost uh, Rondell Bothroyd was a big defensive end who was playing really well early last year. He went to Oklahoma in the transfer portal with, with a graduate degree. Um, I've got questions about their defense. Uh, they they played really good defense against Elon. Don't get me wrong. Like they, you see the seventeen on the scoreboard and you think seventeen points against an FCS. Well, that, that's a terrible game, right? Well, seven of them was on a pick six. Um, three of them were Elon kicked a field goal with like four seconds left in the game when Wake was just trying to you know get to the end type deal. And uh, the the one touchdown that the defense gave up was a third and one and just misfit and and kind of let a run get outside. And he took it 49 yards for a touchdown. It was just it's really one bad play. I mean, they started with five straight three and outs. They played really well against Elon. I'm kind of in a position where I've seen this story before. Like I've seen Wake's defense look really, really good in that first game of the year. And you want to write, oh, it's going to be different all year. It's they've they've got it figured out. This is this is an area of improvement. This is an area of improvement. They're going to be so much better. Um, they're going to be able to play complimentary football. And then I'll get, you know, a month later into the season, it's like, oh, my God, they're just trying to survive and, you know, only give up 30 points and hope that their offense scores 37, um, that kind of thing. So it's early. Like, they've they showed some things. 
Um, they might be without their their captain and fifth year linebacker Chase Jones, who missed last week's game. We didn't really know he was going to be out until they get out there and start doing warmups. Dave Clawson said earlier in the week he was 50-50 to play or not. Um, they have a little bit of depth at linebacker, but they've already lost one for the season that was going to be in their rotation. So that's an area to watch. Um, their best cornerback didn't play the second half last week, Kalen Carson. He's when healthy, he's an NFL corner, but he's missed 10 games in the last two years. And the fact that he's coming off a game where he didn't play in the second half, that's an area where pregame warmups on Saturday, I'm going to be dialed in to see how how much is he going is he suited up that kind of thing so it's like dave even said it's cautious optimism on that side of the ball he felt like they did play better but at the same time it's you know let's let's give it a, a, a at least half the season before we say uh mm-hmm. the defense can can be what we need them to be well you mentioned your concern about the defense i want to go deeper into this matchup vanderbilt wake forest Early kick, 10 a.m. Central time, at least 11 a.m. Eastern uh, for the for the Nashville people. So get up. Uh, I thought it was funny. Game day will still be going on, and you know a game will be kicked off in in Nashville. <laughs> so um, yeah, which, which reminds me of Kirk's uh, not so nice comment last year on game day, where they showed the stadium, and he was like, "Oh, what a great atmosphere that that'll be." <laughs> but, but never mind that. No, no. But uh, Connor, let's. Uh, Let's get into this matchup. You mentioned you're concerned about Wake's defense. Uh, I noticed the corners aren't the tallest corners. I think both teams have weaknesses at corner, so th- this could be a high-scoring game with a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of explosive plays. Is that an area where you think Vanderbilt could expose Wake Forest defensively uh, on on Saturday? Yeah, um, it's it's just the lack of experience at corner behind Kalen Carson. Uh, it's Demarcus Rankin, who came from uh, Notre Dame, but not that Notre Dame. Notre Dame College is a D2, I think, in Texas, apparently. So it, he got beat on one route and looked terrible, and three plays later had an interception in the end zone against Elon, and that's a nice – birth into division one football for him um deshaun jones is a third year guy that has looked really good at times he just hasn't really had that much of an opportunity he might be a hidden gem he might be able to come out and lock down uh i'm not sure if jalen mcgowan will be his matchup or not but that that's kind of the one guy i would look at in my at vanderbilt's roster and say let's take him away and make everybody else beat us um but yeah i i do think I mean, based on what I think of Mitch Griffiths, based on what I saw of A.J. Swan last year when he came in in relief of Mike Wright, uh, the ball could fly. Like, this could be an early, like, oh yeah, you know, uh, indoctrinate everybody into week two really early with a lot of points. Yeah. All right, let's let's get your keys um, for, for either team, right? If, if, if for this to happen, you know, for Wake Forest to win, this has to happen. Or for Vanderbilt to win, this has to happen. Close it out. I'll say I want to stick with Wake's running game. I, I want to say if Wake runs for somewhere in the neighborhood of 175 yards, uh, just to make it that even divisible by 25 number, uh, I would say Wake has a really good chance of winning the game. Um, I would say for Vanderbilt to win – uh, probably Mitch, Mitch had a problem holding on to the ball too long. Um, Vanderbilt to win, probably win the turnover battle and get at least three or four sacks against Mitch. Uh, that's how you beat, that's how you beat Wake's offense. I'm it's not like I'm giving away nuclear codes. It's how you beat just about every <laughs> offense. You get them off schedule and get them into second and third and longs. And then you can create more pressure and maybe entice teams to run those like third and 19 draws that pick up eight yards and they're punting. Um, so that's, that's the areas that I would look at uh, if I'm, I know both of those are kind of on the, on the wake hat of things, but um, that's where I'd look. Can't wait. I'll, I'll be up there. Kick off 10 a.m. Central time in Winston Salem as a, at a legacy field. Is that how you pronounce it? The, uh, the, Man, it's the third different think- <laughs> game of the stadium in like five years. 
Uh, I'm, I've just reverted to calling it Grove Stadium, which is what it was until all the corporate money started pouring in. So <laughs> easy enough. Easy enough. Connor, thanks for taking the time, man. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. Really appreciate all three guests coming on with me. Joey Dwyer, of course, writer here at VandySports.com, giving us his five things to watch. And then Norman Jordan. He, he played in the black and gold, and now he is uh, the color analyst for the Vanderbilt Radio Network with Andrew Allegretta, Kevin Ingram, everybody on 102.5 The Game every Saturday. So love catching up with Norman Jordan. And then Connor O'Neill, you just heard him. A L- lot of knowledge on Wake Forest and and the uh, the history behind you know Dave Clawson in this program, Mitch Griffiths, and, and what to expect from him in this Wake Forest offense against Vanderbilt on Saturday. So huge thanks to, to all three guests. Before I close it out, I want to say this podcast has always been free, and we plan for it to always be free. Here's how you can help keep it that way. Number one, give our podcast a review and a five-star rating. That helps us get noticed, and if you're listening and haven't subscribed to VandySports.com yet, please do. It's $99 per year or $9.99 per month. Again, $99 a year or $9.99 per month. That helps us tremendously. Secondly, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel. We're starting to gain some traction there, and uh, we would love for you guys to subscribe. So smash that subscribe button. You'll get notified every time a new podcast, press conference, last-second thoughts goes up. So be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, email Chris Lee at chrislee70 at gmail.com. Again, that's chrislee70 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again soon with more episodes of the Vandy Sports Podcast.